0: Welcome to Willow Park Church, and uh, great to welcome you. If you uh, don't know much about us, then we would love it that you do connect in. We'd also love it that uh, you'd volunteer for Living Nativity. Great way to get to know the church, great way to get involved, great way to serve our community. Last year, we had 8,000 people come through the church. And next Monday, we will be, week on Monday, we will be praying specifically for the ministry through Christmas, that God will move in power and touch many lives. I don't know if I've said it to you before, uh, but the most important meeting in our church is our prayer meeting, and Willow One Prayer on Monday evening. I want to encourage you to be there. Well, we've been working our way through the what we're calling the Changed uh, series, and it's coming towards the end. And really, we have been talking about the reality of the change of God that can take place in our lives. It's been very challenging. Uh, We looked at the power of Christ and and the reality that Christ, in our, I think this is my fifth sermon in this series, that first of all, that, that, you know, we have to remind ourselves that God is less interested in our comfort, He is more interested in us becoming like Christ. And that we have to be willing to engage in that. He's not looking for our happiness. He is looking that we would engage and become like him in our lives. Secondly, we understood that within that, the power of community is critical. And that we are willing to engage in the power of community. And we are willing to connect and to move forward. And community changes us and community makes such a difference in our lives. We talked about wilderness and being in wilderness. And understanding that the wilderness is... Is, is, is part of our journey and how we respond to that wilderness whether we uh, jettison God whether we work against Him whatever we do we're in that situation but uh, we become critical we blame other people around us and then we journey through wilderness and of course last week was talking about dealing with our inner idols and realizing that when we have a dramatic emotional response to a problem it's often because there is a An idol hidden in our lives that is connected to that experience. A pretty profound and pretty deep journey that we've been on as we move forward. But really what I want to talk to you about is your potential, the indwelling Christ. That potential is there, and as we bring the series together, I want to really share with you about something that for many of you may be brand new, and for some of us as Christians is very difficult to to often get our heads around, and yet if we get this right, it will utterly and completely change our lives. Because our potential is the indwelling power of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives, But we can't blunder into this. We can't step into this process in a kind of blunt way. I don't know what kind of person you are, but I have had in the past the tendency to try and avoid buying things that have lots of instructions. And because I don't like to look at instructions, right? So let me give you advice. Never buy, therefore, anything from... A certain store down on Highway 97 called Jisk. uh, Because that will take you about five weeks to build the item. And you can't even understand the... Anyway, I'm going to get sued. Uh, But... For me, it is a challenging experience to do something and I I can, I don't need the manual, no, get rid of that and here I am and I can do it myself. This started when we were first married and we bought our first house and our house was built in 1856. And I know that sounds old, but honestly, it's, it's not. And it was quite a modern house and so I said to she I said well who's going to do we looked at this ceiling in the living room well this ceiling needs to be come down and sorted out who's going to do that darling I said I'm going to do it really yeah 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 don't worry I've got it sorted so I pulled the ceiling down with all the plaster. The plaster was put there in 1856. And so there was dust, horse hair, Queen, uh, Queen Victoria was around. And, and I'm looking through the dust and I go, oh. And there's just the ancient beams of trees felled and brought down I don't know, in the 1840s. So I looked at these beams and I thought, okay, now I can put the plasterboard up. It must be quite straightforward. I'll just do it like this, that. I put all the plasterboard. I stepped back and I looked at it and went, oh, that's not bad. A little crooked here, but there, you know, and I'll get a plaster in, save some money, and he will skim it. So he arrives, typical English tradesman, walks in. Looks at my ceiling. Who did this then? <laughs> I said, why? It's, it's rubbish. It's crooked. It's this, it's that. Who on earth did this? I said, oh, just, just somebody I know. And... <laughs> What I realize is, is that you can try and do something on your own and blunder through it, but you've got to get it right, particularly when you're looking at your own life. It's not about blundering. It's about allowing God to really build your life. Recently, our um, dryer started playing up. It had a horrific squeak. And it would echo through the house. So I said, well call up the shop where we got it from and get the repair man out. He came and he looked at it, he took it to pieces in about sprayed a little bit of WD forty and took eighty dollars off me. <laughs> I I felt an ungodly rage. That was the easiest eighty dollars he ever worked. So, fast forward six months later, the squeak comes back. I look at Michelle and go, I'm not paying $80 for WD-40. She said, what are you going to do then? I said, we'll take the dryer to pieces and mend it. She looked at me. Do you remember that ceiling? <laughs> I said, but if you work with me, and we do it together, I think we've got a better chance. She agreed. I said, also, we can call on a greater hire. Let's kneel down right now, and let's switch on our iPads, and let's go on the internet, because there's some weirdo who has done this and put it on, fi- on internet. So we knelt down and said, great internet, come amongst us, and (laughs) up came a face of a plumber who had done it, and he took me through it on YouTube, step by step. We took the whole of the um, dryer to pieces, and we found where the squeak was, and I pulled out my WD-40. I won't tell you what I thought at that moment, but it was glorious, and I sprayed it, and I put it all back together, and hallelujah. (laughs) Now, I know you're not impressed, (laughs) but there are two principles here. You can blunder your way through with dealing with your heart, or you can employ community, Draw upon somebody who knows about you and allow him to do the work deep in your lives. But how, what is the foundation? Because this has really been our message right the way through about this. Uh, and you know, so often what defines us, your potential is the indwelling power of Christ. In other words, you can know his power and his strength. You look at your own life and you see yourself and you may say, well, I, my life is full of failure and my life is full of success. And how do we measure failure and success? Well, because in this area I may have been incredibly successful. It went well. But in these areas, I have failed. Maybe you failed in business. Maybe you failed in relationships. Maybe you never graduated from high school and you feel like a failure. And often our lives are defined by what I've been successful by and what I've failed by. And that defines who we are. But I want to tell you something. That does not define who you are. Because we take out the work of the heart. We take out the work of the Holy Spirit. We take out the reality that when Christ is involved in our lives, your past failures does not mean that you will fail in the future because you have one factor that makes it completely different and that factor is that you have the indwelling power of Christ at work in your life. He'll take you to pieces. He'll rebuild you and he can take your past failures And he can give you the potential because he desires to transform our lives. What you and I need is courage and hope. And belief. So how do we do this? What is the potential, the indwelling Christ? Well, let me start here. In fact, I'm just going to live here for this sermon. Galatians 2.20. Now, what I'm going to embark on t- to try and explain to you is a spiritual journey, because even if you're not a Christian or you're distant or you've come in and you've tracked with me for the first 10 minutes, pulling down ceilings without professional health makes sense. Drawing on the help of others and being able to rebuild and working in community to deal with the squeakiness of our lives. Okay, you get that. That's motivational. That's true. And and that our the past does not equal the future because in Christ we gain a new future and a new potential. And we're gonna now move from that very honest way of looking into a devotion to Christ that if we allow it to affect our lives, it will transform who we are. And yet this subject in the area of change is the hardest subject for us because you're going to have to grapple, you're going to have to Humble, you're going to have to step into ideas and thoughts that often we fail to step into in our Christian life and therefore we get into trouble and it creates loads of problems. And if you're new to the Christian faith, you will understand this, I'm thinking, and yet, and yet you're going to have to really have, uh, bear with me as I try and explain it. You see, Paul says here, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in, the body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What does Paul say instantly? I have been crucified with Christ. Two things jump out from this immediately. Number one, what Paul is actually saying is my identity is no longer myself, my identity is Christ. That's massive. Because what happens in our lives, we build our identity around many, many other things. We build our identity about who we are, maybe what we own, our position in life, our past knowledge, our identity is built in so many other directions. But he's quite clear, my defi- I am defined by the work of the cross, I have my identity in the work of the cross, But you see, he's not just saying that the work of the cross is a door that we walk through and we receive salvation and we get to go to heaven. He's actually saying a lot more than this. He's actually communicating something that has actually happened in his spiritual walk and his experience that has so radically changed his life that something has taken place. And what is this? He says, I have been crucified with Christ. You see, he's actually saying is, I'm dead. I've died to myself, I've given my life, I have been crucified with Christ. I have given up everything, I have given up my life and actually the work of, of crucifixion, of me handing over who I am and Christ coming in me, this is an event that took place. It's a You see the way that it's written is, it is a definite action that took place in the past that continues to work in him right the way to the present day. In other words, it happened. I laid down everything. I had been crucified with Christ. It was a defined action moment when he knew that he had given in, he'd given up and he'd offered everything to Christ and said, I live for Jesus Christ utterly and completely. I died to myself and I am living for him completely. And not only was this a moment in time, but he's actually saying, That actually it is something that is with him and continues to be everlasting at work in his life. Continuing work that is taking place in his life. So what I'm actually saying is for real change to take place. We have to be willing to die to ourselves. And to realize that we no longer live but Christ that lives in us. So you and I. It goes maybe a little further. And there are three redemptive truths here. The redemptive fact is I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. How do you get your head around that? I no longer live. How does that work in practice? I no longer live. That when I'm dealing with a problem and I get enraged, and I'm in that difficult business moment, or I'm in that niggly family moment where we're bickering and arguing. At that moment, do we remind ourselves, I no longer live, but Christ that lives in me. It's no longer me. My identity is defined by Jesus Christ, not defined by my failures and by sinfulness. It is defined by the glorious presence of Jesus Christ dwelling in my life. That's what defines us. You see, the present reality, he says, is this, but Christ lives in me. And what we don't want is any replacements to Christ. He's saying that Christ lives in me. This is the worst mistake we can make theologically, I think. That we believe that when we became a Christian, or if you're not a Christian, that when you become a Christian, that you have a little bit of extra Jesus and you become a better person. In other words, it's a bit like upgrading windows. You have windows, I don't know, 2.1 and, and, and great IBM comes into your life and suddenly or Microsoft and you become Windows 6.2, the new improved version of Phil Collins. He's better. He's nicer. He no longer cusses. He does this. He smiles at his wife in the morning and no longer anyway. And he does all of this. I'm an improved version I'm a Christian. I am so more improved. No, no, no. It doesn't teach this. We are not improved people. We are transformed people. Because I no longer live. I have died. But Christ dwells within me. Try and get your head around that. That I am Jesus then. That he dwells in me. It's a beautiful thing. And that I live my life to honor the work of Christ, that I've died to myself and Christ lives within me. You see, it's not an upgrade, it's a complete change of software, it's a complete change of who you are. Now, I'm not into computers. But what I do know, having worked with, you know, Microsoft and those computers, that somewhere out there, there's another group of computers called Apples. They are glorious and beautiful. When you pick them up, you want to eat them. They're wonderful. Our technical director can't stand them. But we're an Apple family. But when I come to work, I have to battle with my Microsoft world. But you see, I'm not just improved, I've actually become something completely different. I have a new operating system within me and it's the power of Christ. I have a new presence within me and it's Jesus dwells in me. I have laid down all of my personal ambition, all of my personal goals, all of my selfish sinfulness and what I've said is I want to be Jesus in this world. I want to live like him. I want to speak like him. I want to react like that. I want to be a completely different operator because he dwells in me and because Christ lives in me. I no longer live. I've been crucified with Christ. I've laid everything down. This is an ongoing journey. You live within me. I have your presence there and at work within my life. So this affects my heart. My heart is new because Christ lives there. My heart is alive because Christ lives there and gives me life. My heart can respond to life in a new way because it is no longer dominated by sin, but liberated by the gracious rule of Christ. I am different because Christ lives within me. And the third redemptive is the result of daily living. He says, the life I live in, the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. Who loved me and gave himself for me. Faith in the Son of God. I live every day when I get up in the morning. And I live through faith in the Son of God. Every problem I face, I choose to face it through the eyes and through the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ at work within my life. I choose in my life to keep reminding myself that the most important indwelling power that resides within my heart and that resides within me is Jesus Christ. I no longer live, but Christ that lives within me. I said it was tough. I said it is challenging because So many people, I feel, leave their faith at a superficial level, but this is when we are willing to go particularly deep. It actually means that I am not captive to my sinful thoughts, to my fears, to my angers, to my jealousy, to my insecurity, to my rage, to my vengeance, to my moodiness, that actually I can be set free from those things because Jesus dwells in me. You can be changed into his likeness. So let me just take this three redemptive implications by this. Well, first thing that will happen in your life is that when you start to w- realize and you lay everything down and you bring it to him is that you will live with personal integrity. What do I mean by that? I mean that you're willing to look in the mirror. And look at yourself in humility. And say Lord where do you need to work in my life? Because I want to become Like Christ, I want to lay everything down. I want to no longer live, but I want Christ to live within me. I want to die to myself. Therefore, that means I have to be willing to really work hard and look at who I am and where it's incompatible with the Lord Jesus Christ and allow him to change me and die to myself and allow him to do that work in me. You will be willing to examine yourself In the mirror of God's word, seeking practical, accurate self-knowledge. Do you know yourself biblically? Do you know who you are in scripture? Or have you gone so far away from dying to yourself that we've lost even the ability to spiritually examine ourselves? You will create a climate of grace in your relationships. It changes the way we operate. You come into a tense room. You are willing to lay down yourself and you no longer live but Christ that lives in me. And you bring a grace into that room. You're in a difficult negotiation. You don't respond in this way, in frustration and anger. You respond because you bring Jesus into the room. You're talking to somebody who's going through difficult problems in life, and you're not just giving them good wisdom, but you bring Jesus into there because you no longer live, but Christ that lives within you. We aim in our thinking to say, It's you. I want to live out. You will act with courageous grace. And constructive truth. That within your life, you will be courageous in your grace. And you'll be constructive with the truth of God. And and reaching out and making a difference. You see, we've talked so much about the difficulties of life. But life is so much easier when we decide that we're going to give up ourselves and become like Christ. So what does this mean practically? Well, it means these. Let me give you some points I wrote down. Where we once made war, we now make peace. Well, why do I make peace instead of war? Well, actually, you no longer live, but Christ that lives within you, and he is the Prince of Peace. Peace. Where you once were ruled by fear or others and said yes, far too often we are now motivated by God's practical will and understanding when we must say no. In other words, hey, I don't follow the rules and I'm not a yes person because... because. Uh, because I'm different, because Christ lives in me. I have died to myself. The rule that I follow is God's voice and God's presence and God's power. Fear does not rule my life. Why does fear not rule your life? Because you have the indwelling power of Christ. You no longer live, but Christ lives in you. Do you think Christ is afraid of anything? Absolutely not. He's victorious. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And you no longer live, but Christ that lives within you. To hand it over. Where once we used our God given gifts for our own benefits and glory, we now use them for God's glory and benefits to others. It becomes all about Him, it becomes all about using what God has given us to glorify Him in our lives. Where once we trimmed and twisted the truth to get what we wanted, we now lovingly speak the truth, even when it makes it costly. Where once we held on to bitterness and anger, we now give the offense to the Lord and extend forgiveness to others. Why should I give it to the Lord? Why should I... Hand over my bitterness. Why should I hand over my offense? Why should I forgive? Can I remind you? You no longer live, but Christ that lives within you. The one thing Christ is very good at is forgiving. The one thing he does not hold in his heart is bitterness. And I'd say to you. when you get up in the morning and you make him Lord, put the cross at the center of who you are and remind yourself again and again that you've died, that you no longer live, but Christ lives in you. That you've actually surrendered all of your rights. You've received complete forgiveness from everything in your life. That you are defined not by your failures. You're defined that the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Line of the tribe of Judah, the King of glory, he dwells within you. That's who defines you. He dwells. Within you. And our only response is. I believe. Is coming back again and saying Lord. I give my whole life to him. I'm willing. To declare again that I'm crucified with Christ. That I no longer live but Christ that lives in me. And I'm going to travel through life with the deepest sense of the cross there. See, the early Anabaptists and revivalists 500 years ago knew this in Europe. In fact, they used to talk about the journey of the cross. That while Europe was ablaze with civil war and churches had been split in the Reformation, there were groups of Christians meeting. Free radicals, if you like, Anabaptists. And they were living by the word of God. They were seeking God's face. And they talked about a yielding deep down within them. That they would yield to the journey of the cross. They would die to themselves. And they would bear the journey of the cross deep within their lives. And they would live as Christ would have lived. And they changed the world. They changed the world because of their Christ-centric approach to their life and their cross-centric. So let's pause and pray. Lord, I pray now you will remind us that when we live in this world, we live as Christ. When we speak to our close ones, you dwell within us. And we humble ourselves before you now. Maybe this morning you respond by saying, Pastor, it's really touched my heart. I'm going to lay down my whole life Again to Christ and live this verse in my life. I no longer live but Christ that lives within me. God has touched you. Maybe just raise your hand and put it down, and I'll see it across the holy. I want to live like this now. God bless you. I want to live. Completely for Christ at the center of my life. I want to follow Him. So we're going to sing now. But I'm going to invite you, yes, to stand. But I'm going to invite you maybe to kneel in the pews where you are or wherever you are. The church has kneeled before the Christ. For 2,000 years, and yet in our churches in the last 40 years, we've forgotten what it is to kneel. And maybe you need to turn around in your pew and sit down. or But take a moment now and allow and change to happen at your heart. That you hand it all over to Jesus. That you no longer live. But Christ that lives within you. Father, I pray for each of us that we may all know what it is to be transformed by fully submission to Christ and his cross, that we are defined and identified by Christ that dwells within us. Meet with us now in the final moments of our gathering.